Welcome back to A Woman's View on KSL News Radio. Trish Hatch is with me this week, the coordinator of the CASA program, court appointed special advocate program who works with guardian ad litems. Janetta Williams is here, the president of the Salt Lake branch of the NAACP and NAACP Tri State Conference. And my friend Jeanette Bott is here, president and CEO of the Utah Food Bank. We were just talking about the shooting in Maine and how that state at, and Utah is, is like Maine and that we do not have a red flag law here, which would allow uh, police to go into a home and remove guns if a person is believed to be a danger to themselves or others. But I, I interrupted, Trish, you wanted to make a comment, please. Um, I just looked up the definition of Maine's yellow flag law, and yeah. the yellow flag law is designed to give law enforcement the power to take guns out of the hands of people who could be in danger to themselves or others. And in the lead up to the fatal shooting, um, there were warning signs and several family members and mental health um, professionals did reach out to the state to say this fellow is a danger to us, please remove his guns. And they didn't, they did, were not ever able to find him or get mm. him. So mm. they do that. The yellow flag law does remove guns from people who are a threat. Thank you for explaining that. May I ask you, and I'll start with you, Jeanette, if it's all right, what do you think about having sanctioned homeless camps in Salt Lake City? I was reading about that recently, that that there are many people who say, look, it's better to have a sanctioned place where the homeless can camp rather than having them set up in parking lots and along streets all over uh, sort of willy-nilly. What do, what do you think of that? Well, interesting, as I read the article, I think the first thing that came to mind for me is someone would really have to define sanctioned. What falls under the umbrella of that term? What comes with that? What would be provided for these folks? Are we going to have them in a situation where they have some safety protection? Is it a place where we're simply going to corral people into one geographic spot and then walk away from that area and say, oh, we've provided a spot for them, so we've done our part? It's like, what does sanction mean? I, I guess in reading the article, there are suggestions on what they were going to provide as far as a, a small housing unit of sorts with a, a porta potty out the front door. Well, then what happens? Mm -hmm. There was no mention of food. There was no mention of aggregate opportunities for groups to come together to help or to feed or support them with, with needs for nutrition. There was no comment of, any programming to help them get back into a situation where they get permanent housing. So it's like, are we really setting the stage to assist or are we simply moving them to a spot that says, look what we've done? Mm, interesting. I'm glad you brought up those questions. Janetta, what do you make of this? Are you, are you in favor or not of sanctioned homeless camps, whatever that means? Exactly. I, I am totally uh, opposed to this because when I think about you know, a section out, folks, I'm thinking about, you know, when redlining districts, there are areas where uh, people of color could not rent or buy a home. Uh, when I think about uh, concentration camps as well, where we're going to go and put all these people, or those people over in this area. So I'm strictly opposed to it. But what I am in agreement with is that if they want to have some some housing for people to be able to have a little bit of dignity about themselves so they can have a room, have some shelter, have indoor toilets, uh, maybe a whole apartment complex 
but they're not some, something that's going to say, you're going to have to live over in this area. You know, we don't want you over here because we feel that we're too good for you to be in uh, in this area. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see it, Trish? Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. I do not like to see people sleeping in doorways and streets. And and I live right along the Jordan River. So we have um, homeless camps along the Jordan River, which I, it's a beautiful place to camp. But they generally, when they leave, they leave behind all their trash and their needles and everything else. So I think this idea, as I read the article, it really does have some merit. Um, people don't like congregate housing when they're homeless. They're homeless because either they have a mental health illness and you tell someone that they have to go sleep in a big room with 50 other cots, as they said in the article, and they just say, no, I'll rather stay on the street. So I think this idea is a great way to bypass that issue and give people their own space, give them their security. They can lock the door. They don't have to worry about their items being stolen. Um, And I think it's going to be an easier way to just manage um, the drug aspect of it and a perfect way to set up, uh, you know, a place for them to get mental health, sign up for mental health. You've got people all in one area. And I mean, from what it sounds like in the article, it's going to be nice little units that are um, you're not forced to go into, but they're available for you to go into if you choose to not be sleeping on the street. So I think it gives some options and it also takes the burden off of the police because um, they can manage it a little bit easier if most of them are in one area. They can also have employers come, you know, day workers that they need day workers. There can be a place to go to, you know, just see if there's day jobs. So we've got to do something. Is there a perfect answer? No, this will be very expensive. I mean, the tax burden for something like this, I've heard $6 million, which is a lot of money for setting up camps, but I think it's the initial investment. But no, I think I think something has to be done and this is a good first step. I know, So you know, when I talk to people who work with the homeless, I, they've told me over the years that part of the reason that someone will choose to live on the street as opposed to in the shelters is because they're not allowed to smoke in the shelters or do drugs in the shelters. And those, you know, these, some of, some of these people, certainly not all have serious addictions to things like cigarettes and, and drugs. So they'd rather smoke than be inside, which is hard for some people to understand. But as a former smoker, I sort of get that. (laughs) Although I, 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 it breaks my heart to think, you know, that that's what's keeping them from being indoors. Any thought about that, Trish? Well, I, I think we need to give people the freedom. And you're right. These people are dealing with so many other issues. To be worried about smoking indoors to me seems like it's such a superficial thing. And if they're allowed to smoke in their little personal um, house, well, why not? I, I just think there, there's so many other bigger bigger problems we need to tackle. Smoking is like when we finally get all of Maslow's hierarchy of needs met, then we'll deal with the smoking. So, Okay, I hear that. Let me take another break. I'll be back with my wonderful guest this week on A Woman's View. Don't go away. Back in a moment. <laughs> 